Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged, bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. in the vermin of the city, or you know, literally anybody who gets within an arm's reach of us because we're the maniac cop. We're back from never really buried grave due to a shitty prison doctor's clerical error and we're hungry for revenge. So put on your white formal ball dress gloves and follow us down the alley as we discuss maniac cop on this week's horror movie night. So sitting there watching this movie knowing very little about it. I had actually seen it before and forgotten everything about it. And my first sense. note is in all caps, and it just says, Tom Atkins and Bruce Campbell? Because <laughs> um, that caught me and off. Robert, and Robert Zadar as well. Yeah, there's a, a pretty stacked cast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and a such woman, a disappointing movie. And there, a woman that looks like Debbie Harry but Debbie Harry from like 2005 in this. <laughs> she looks like old Debbie Harry. All right. Well, this one was actually a recommendation for us. I'm not sure if you yeah. guys remember well, I, that. I, 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 the, my first question is like, why did we agree to watch this movie? All right. So because this is not the first time that this movie has been recommended to us. This movie has been recommended to us from like three or four different people. Okay, that's why we decided to yeah, do it. Yeah, it was one of those things where just so many people unanimously emailed us to discuss this movie. Um, I feel like it was the same person that just emailed us under no, 40. No, no. It was, 
it it was like consistently asked for, and I don't get it. And I think each time I was like, we should probably watch Maniac Cop two, because like Maniac Cop yeah, two is actually pretty good. But Maniac yeah, Cop- that was my question. Was like, oh, are we which, which one are we watching? Yeah, because <laughs> like I think Maniac Cop two is the best of the series. But here's the email that we received. Um, one of the two, but we're we're gonna give the credit here to Chris, uh, and says. Hello once again, gentlemen of uh, Horror Movie Night. I have a new movie that I'd love to hear a review on. It's a movie I discovered back in the early 90s on a video shelf starring B-movie horror icon Bruce Campbell, and it's a movie known as Maniac Cop. I always thought the theme of this movie had a really creepy feel to it and thought that it was a fun little horror film. I do own the trilogy, however, I don't know what is going on in Part 3, but I did always enjoy the original and felt it had a really cool old-school video rental vibe to it. Hope you guys can get to it someday, as I'd love to hear it. Thanks again, and my apologies for requesting munchies. It was funny as hell to listen to, though. Chris from Kansas. <laughs> so this is the same person that picked munchies. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, so... Well, so let's, pe- let's reiterate one more time. Fuck you, Chris, for munchies. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I feel but, like this... At least munchies was, like, funny... In a in a in a kind of like sort of excruciating way, but man, this movie was the driest shit we've probably ever watched. Uh, I hey. did at the time when he first sent that in. I wrote back, "If we don't do Maniac Cop, we might do Maniac Cop too." And uh, Chris responded with, "I don't know how you can pass up the one that has both Bruce and Tom Atkins, but Part Two is pretty good as well. I'd honestly love to hear you do a five minute review on Part Three because I honestly don't know what's going on in that movie." It's even off the rails for a mania, by Maniac Cop standards. But I really don't think... Like, I agree with you, Scott. I think this is, like, the most dry, tame... I, I think my one note just says, this is the most okay movie we've watched in a while. It's not... I, I don't even think that it's a bad movie. It's just... it. You know how sometimes you're like, eh, well, it was a movie. Like, that's the best way to describe Maniac Cop. I don't really have any opinion to it either way. Uh, although I do think I have a couple notes written here that we can get to when we get through it. Um, well, I just I have a question. Other than um, drag me to hell, when was the last time that m- me and you two, like as like separate entities, agreed on something? Because <laughs> I I thought this was fucking great. I like this movie so much. And when Scott was like, "Oh, at least munchies," and I was like, "Don't you even." Fucking finish that sentence. This is way fucking better than Munchies. I'll tell you that right now. Did we all enjoy Terrorvision? I feel like we kind of did. Yes. Yeah, we did all enjoy Terrorvision. Okay. That was only like a month ago. Yeah. So maybe maybe six weeks by now. I don't know. Whatever. But uh, so so yeah. No, this is one of these weird things where it's like we can never be in agreement on something. Although I think we all were disappointed by the Guardian. Does that count? I wasn't disappointed. Yeah. It was exactly what I expected it to be. <laughs> Not good. Um, so so I went in wa- knowing nothing about this movie except for the fact that we should have watched the second one. I've never seen any of the Maniac Cop movies, but <laughs> through our like month-long conversation on, okay, are we going to watch the first one or the second one? Hey, Matt, which one are we watching? Well, actually, Matt, are you actually, sure we're watching the first I'm one? Gonna, no, I'm going to reveal a little wizard behind the curtain on this one. If, what, if you must. That's every fucking week. You're just like, hey, this is what we did behind the scenes. Yeah, so here's so here's what actually happened behind the scenes, Scott. Um, <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna try to throw me under the bus for this, 
uh, I believe if you go through our Facebook conversation, you were like, all right, well, I'll watch both of them and report back on which one we should do. And then you didn't do that. And then another person was like, you should do Maniac Cop. And I was like, fuck, well, there's two people that want us to do Maniac Cop. And since Scott never decided which one we should watch, we're just going to do Maniac Cop. So I blame See, you. See, now that, that's confusion there because um, <laughs> I did watch Maniac Cop and Maniac Cop 2. So that's a little spoiler alert for uh, the what did you watch this week. And uh, I, I just wish I would have done it earlier so that we could have done that movie instead. <laughs> um, all right. So <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. So let me set the stage here. I know nothing about this film except for the fact that I've avoided it for 34 years. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, well, I mean, I've, I've avoided it for 30, 30 years. I think it's 1986 when it came out. Uh, so I know nothing about it. And I have two notes. I'm like, ah, pretty unstoked to watch this more than usual. And then I'm like, oh, these Puerto Ricans are awful stereotypes. That's some solid acting. I'm really <laughs> definitely not offended by how, how Puerto Rican these guys are supposed to look. And then I was like, oh, my God, thrill me. I knew that he was in it. But when, as soon as I saw him on screen and then he stayed on screen and he was like the main guy, I was like, fucking yes, thrill me. <laughs> I just want any excuse for him to answer a phone right now. Please, please answer phone. Yeah, I, I was I got really excited and then pretty disappointed by the fact that this movie was not saved by him being in it at all. Um because this movie there's nothing to save in this movie. It's just like a it's like the lifetime movie of horror. Like it's lifetime channel horror yeah, is what I, it is. I would describe it the best way I could describe it is like you know how like you get up early in the morning and drive to work every day and there comes those points where you're kind of tired and you're driving and your body's so used to the motions of driving to work every day that like suddenly you're just at work but you don't really remember the drive like you just kind of were on autopilot. That's how I feel when I watch this movie. Because I, I don't yeah, remember it. Every time you watch it. <laughs> I've watched it twice, and both times I just remember I was at the end, and I don't remember much about what happened to get me there. Man, um, what a nightmare. Uh, but I do have I, – I, this time I remember a little bit because I uh, I took so, notes. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so here we go. So the movie starts off, as, as Scott pointed out, with some, you know, some Puerto Rican stereotypes. Uh, after escaping these two thugs – uh, a woman is murdered by a mysterious cop. This is when with Tom, the white gloves. Yeah, with the white gloves. Uh, this is when Tom Atkins enters and immediately just knows everything about the victim, which I love. Like it's just like he sits next to the corpse, and the other guy's just like trying to keep his shit together, and he's just like, "Oh yes, she loved cops." We used to sit and drink about it all the time. It's like, well, that's convenient. Like, I was hoping that that would be a thing throughout the movie is literally every murder victim. He just knows in super personal detail and it would set him up as the murderer, but whatever. Matt, you're, I mean, John Hamm wasn't in this film. There's no way to redeem it in that sort of way. True. He also has that little like soliloquy to himself there where he's like, oh, you were probably so scared. Yeah. And then you saw a cop. Oh, but little did you know. <laughs> I forgot about that line. That is the best worst line in this movie. Um, uh, so the first like 30 minutes of this movie is just like, and then this happens. And then this happens. And that's kind of how my notes feel because it's just like, and then a couple sits at a red light for roughly, I don't know, 
10 seconds and the dude just starts to bitch up a storm about it. She's like, fucking light must be broken, bro. Like, yeah. Like, what the hell? He's complaining about the light, which leads to him making out with his girlfriend for some reason. And then a cop knocks on his window and uh, kills him. That windshield's blood spray is pretty fun. It might be the most fun that I had watching this movie until Bruce Campbell shows up. But we'll get to that. Um, We're building there. We're, I've got one yeah, more yeah, note yeah. before Campbell enters the scene. I, <laughs> yes, I don't know but, what you guys are talking about this being so dry and boring. There's three graphic murders within the first 15 minutes of the movie. That is true. They they they're not they're not they're, they might be somewhat graphic, but they're not they're not memorable. They're not good. Like or I mean, well, they're they're very uninspired in my opinion. Like these two, they're supposed to be teenagers, I think, but they're like 30. They're, like, they're making out at a red light because she's trying to make him feel better for being stuck at a red light for five seconds, like Matt said, because um, <laughs> that makes sense. The 80s in New York City were a much different time. Um, and he, then the cop like knocks on the windshield with his baton or whatever. And she's like, I think you just need to cooperate. All right. And uh, that's when I realized that this movie could be remade in 2016 and the exact same shit would happen in it. Yeah, no, I was – that was the most uncomfortable thing for me watching this movie was I was like, man, this one – Cops still suck. <laughs> yeah, well, I was like, man, this one – apparently they're trying to remake this movie and I don't blame them. Like, like, I'm like, nope. If there was ever a time that we probably shouldn't but should do a Maniac Cop movie, it's uh, it's right, it's right now. now. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, there's one thing that definitely would not happen nowadays, and that's at the end where there's the parade. And there's like there's been a ton of death threats, multiple threats of bombings. But you know what? They're doing the parade anyways. And I'm like, no, that's not happening today. <laughs> like in New York City? Fuck no, that wouldn't happen. I didn't even think about that, but you're absolutely right. But the thing is, like you were saying, there's nothing super memorable in it. Like the deaths aren't crazy memorable. The most memorable death isn't even committed by the maniac cop. It's from a scared old lady sh- shooting an innocent yeah, cop in the okay. face. That part w- was... A pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good, pretty good scene. Um, the best part about that scene, though, isn't actually the kill. It's uh, <laughs> it's my note about it. <laughs> my note is: is there like dried spaghetti in the corner of this woman's mouth? Because, <laughs> like, if you watch it, I'm assuming that it's just her really, really bad makeup, like her, her, her. Uh, lipstick is just so cheap and it's made out of like melted crayons or something but it she looks like an old lady spaghetti <laughs> <That's all laughs> like, so actually I, she shot that cop in the face and i was like oh gotcha <laughs> yep she, as soon as she shot him she was like oh spooked you and then drove away <laughs> <laughs> oh shit this movie actually is a lot funnier when you talk about it well I, I, just, I just made man, a real with, man with blue uniform jumped out and spooked me it's not scary <laughs> it's just abnormal <laughs> i thought it was actually the producer's kid uh, <laughs> and then i then i realized that it was a full-grown man <laughs> <laughs> um, i i just made a realization though as we're talking about this and i'm like looking over my notes and i'm listening to adam talk about why he likes it and this is going to sound like a weird comparison, but I feel like 
Adam, like, this fits into the stuff that Adam likes because this movie's kind of weirdly, like, if, like, a weird, you could do a double feature with this in, like, Class of 1984. Like, it's very strange, like, gritty, grindy movie. Adam likes stuff that's, that's, like, unintentionally bad because he's watched so much H3H3 Productions videos that he lives that life now. Now, I think he legitimately likes this movie. I don't think he's like, oh, this movie was so bad, it was a delight. I think he was like, this is a good fucking movie. <laughs> it's, it's, I, it's not that it's a good movie. And believe me, I loved shitty stuff way before H3H3 even existed. Um, <laughs> I know. But because we were podcasting before, before H3H3. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm like, hey, let's watch Taxidermy. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's, it's not a great movie and a lot of what it makes me enjoy it is Robert Zadar because I've seen several movies with Robert Zadar in them. Um, he's, uh, he's a, a terrifying looking man. He's a grotesque looking man and he can't act. And even in this movie where he has no lines, just his physical acting is so like weird and funny to me. <laughs> Like, somebody saw this guy on the street one day and was like, look at that fucking face. Look at that jawline. I have to put that guy in a movie. And it was simultaneously an awful idea and a great idea at the same time. And then, you know, and then you just got, like, I mean, it's the battle of the jawlines here with fucking Bruce Campbell in this movie as well. <laughs> but yeah, that was Starr, a huge surprise. Well, I was like, wait. Bruce Campbell, like, I, I like Bruce Campbell a lot. Why are you here? I, and then and then Robert Atkinson, too. It was just like, once I knew all three of these guys were in it, and, and like, it started rolling, I was like, I don't care. I could watch these guys fucking perform the ice capades. I don't give a shit. I'd <laughs> love it. I wouldn't care. Like, I'm just so happy that these three people are in a movie together. It's just, oh, I was so, I was so just delighted. I appreciate that I'm looking at Robert Zadar's uh, IMDb page because I'm like, yeah, why is he familiar to me? And I just see that in the movie Tango and Cash, he played a character whose name is Face. Also, he played a cop in a movie called Rock and Roll Cops 2, The Adventure Begins. (laughs) Which is the most confusing title I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, why are why is it part two if it's just beginning? It says Detective Jack Blade and his partner Bonzaki are rock and roll cops from the Boogie Woogie Division. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Who beat up and I'm, sexually harassed? I'm, harass go on, I'm going on IMDb and I'm copy and pasting his fucking filmology, and that's it. I have all my picks. I was going to do the rest of the sentence. No. They beat up and sexually harass everyone they encounter while trying to chase down Mister Big. And score drugs for their police commissioner. <laughs> so, what the fuck is this? Okay, Kevin- here's the thing. Here's the thing. This guy did canon film level films and lower all throughout <laughs> the eighties, right? So imagine like a really bad canon film, and he would do stuff way worse than that. Like that was his whole thing. Is he like he was just a weird looking dude? The the casting directors producers wanted him in the movie just because he looked weird. 
and they'd throw him in there. I think he was in um, Samurai Cop as well. Yes, he was. He and was, he's also yeah. in some movie called Vampire Boulevard as Frankenblade. Let's go back to Maniac Cop because we're right where Bruce Campbell shows up. And this yes. is where the movie gets really complicated to me. So, <laughs> like unnecessarily complicated. Yeah. Like, so ridiculous. So, so Bruce Campbell's married to Ellen. And she suspects that her husband, Jack, who's Bruce Campbell, is the killer cop. So she uh, tries to follow him and in doing so discovers that he's been banging one of the, the other female cops. Um, he's been getting the fucking. Yeah, she's been getting, he's been getting the fucking there. So she leaves the hotel distraught and is killed by the cop, which leads to Jack being the prime suspect for the murder. And even though the girl that he's banging is the witness that he didn't do it, he won't give her name because he doesn't want to make her look bad or something. So he's like chilling in jail. And then she teams up with Tom Atkins. Also, she's one of those undercover cops who pretends to be a, a hooker. On a the hooker. And yeah. Also like her hair probably had its own dressing room. It was like massive. I don't know. I mean, like I remember the eighties well enough that that was not the norm. Like that hair was bigger than normal. Like in fucking trick or treat. Or 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 uh, Black Roses, like all those Satanic Panic movies. That I don't think anybody's hair was as big as the chick's hair in this movie. But the prostitutes in Frankenhooker probably right around the same size. Yeah, yeah. Although you, this this is how sad this movie is. Is like she's not even the hot cop. Like there's no hot cop. Like she, she's like, I, 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 want a I, date? I'd say that Atkinson is probably the hot cop. <laughs> <laughs> I would personally pick Bruce Campbell, but that's just me. I, I guess that leaves, uh, that leaves the face for Matt. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I'll take what I can get. <laughs> we know. I'll take it. He's not going to leave you any options. Yeah, you're going to take it. It's <laughs> so, okay, uh, there's a part where um, Bruce Campbell finally admits yeah, it was an undercover vice cop that I was banging. And and uh, Atkinson goes to see her, and she's getting attacked by the face. Because we're just going to call him the face now, because <laughs> I love that way more uh, than, than Maniac. Huh? But, so she's getting attacked by the face, and she shoots him in the chest multiple times. Atkinson comes out. He's got, like, a fucking dirty, hairy 357. <laughs> he shoots him several times. And then, whatever, he fucks off. They go to a bar to hang out and have Wait. a couple of drinks. and she, the, the, that part, that point in the movie was actually where my suspension of disbelief broke because I was like, okay, he's just a crazy cop. But then I was like, this cop better be a zombie. Like, maniac cop that, better be a fucking zombie. That was the thing. Like, I, I assumed that at some point we were going to find out that he had some sort of supernatural something going on. Because they say, like, his hands were ice cold. I must have shot him in the head at least twice. And he didn't appear to be breathing. Right. But later on, we find out, no, I guess his fortitude to be his, his desire to be a cop is just so fucking strong that he, <laughs> he's he's unkillable to the point so that they dumb. crush his fucking chest. He gets a huge like seven inch in diameter pipe through his chest and he's still like, come back again for Maniac Cop 2. Spoiler alert for Maniac Cop 2. And it's been a while since I watched it, but Scott may be able to confirm. They do go the route of him being an undead zombie by the time they get the Maniac Cop 2, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. After 
sitting through this, I definitely did a 45-minute watch of an hour-and-a-half movie uh, for Maniac Cop 2. So I might have missed them explaining that he's a zombie, but it's never, at least from what I saw, it's never like explicitly said that he is a supernatural character. It's, it's always just like, he just won't die, which is just absurd. He got fucking shot in the face. Well, I'm sorry. Let's just, let's just go down the litany of shit that's happened to him. He gets beaten to death in Sing Sing. Or, I mean, I guess sliced up. He gets shanked to death in Sing Sing. And then he gets shot multiple times in the chest and face by Prost the Cop and Atkins 357 Man. Then he gets impaled by a huge metal spike, plus probably some, also some more buckshot when he's attacking those cops in the police station later on. Then he gets drowned and still comes back for the sequel. Like, he's obviously undead. But there's no explanation that I saw in Maniac or that I caught in Maniac Cop 2 unless that they had some really short exposition scene that I missed. But, yeah, like it's just I would have liked the series better if he was undead. Like it would have been it would have made home a whole lot more sense than no explanation, you know? Yeah, Yeah. I I usually don't like like a a ham fisted just sort of shoved in supernatural plot line, but. This movie needed it. I mean, it just makes it needed no something. sense without it. Yeah, like that or it wasn't actually getting a shot and it was some sort of conspiracy where the prost, the, the prostate cop, I like that term, um, where she like lied. She had blanks and Atkins is a shitty shot or something like that. And he didn't actually get killed in Sing Sing. Like it's a cover up because everybody's in on it because the the mayor is crooked and they're trying to get revenge with him. That would have been a much more interesting storyline. But this like lone zombie cop, but not really. Only in only in action and not in story. Just doesn't do it for me. Like I hated the backstory of this movie. Like of Maniac Cop One. Like it was so boring. I actually have two notes for it. I have. Note one, boring backstory. Note two, more boring backstory. It was that long that I actually took two notes about how boring it was. But then the end was pretty sweet. I mean, like, th- that last the that last battle where, like, Bruce Campbell's stuntman is, like, getting smacked in the chest a bunch of times and, and, uh, and not falling off of the box truck. And then the stunt guy who really made his money – uh, or I mean, he he really he he made the the company money's the company's money back by jumping off like that's a crazy stunt when that box truck goes into the water at the very end of this film that do, it it like I know that they slowed it down and and everything like that but when you see it from the side that guy is so close to the truck like I'm so surprised that he didn't get injured oh he it, like so much debris kicks up in that and I I get it they're making the truck. You know, do that like sidekick up where it yeah, only you goes. See it, you see it when way. it's from like either the, the front or back or something like that. You see it from a different angle, and and it's obvious that they're not quite as close. But like, yeah, it's it. <laughs> I wouldn't have yeah, signed but, on for that stunt. No, there's no goddamn way. And so much debris is like raining down around him, and it just it did look really fucking crazy. That was one hell of a stunt, and props to that stunt guy. Yes, he made the company money. I don't know how much he got paid, but not fucking enough for doing that because that was insane. That's fucking crazy. Seriously. Um, but yeah, there's the whole part in the middle there where uh, whatever they're interviewing Bruce Campbell and he shows up and he kills like 20 cops. And then uh, he kills Atkins. 
too, which is a bummer. Um, but they, they get away and they go and see that doctor, right? And the doctor has this line, he goes, um, where he admits that he just like, you know, didn't do the autopsy or anything, just kind of let them take the body away. And he goes, there's no way that he, any human being could have, you know, survived in that condition. Like they they wouldn't be able to get up or do anything. It, he essentially says they would have been like a vegetable or like crippled. And I'm like, well, then why the fuck did you let them just take them? Like, that's your that's your response to that. Like, ah, well, he's just going to be a vegetable for the rest of his life. <laughs> Might as well just let him go. <laughs> like, that's terrible. Put yeah, they're him not going to. Yeah, they're not going to do anything nefarious to this body or anything. <laughs> yeah, but then how did that body get like? Did did his did his wife like? Is she a doctor? Was she able to give him transfusions and close up all of his cuts, which were bleeding from veins? Absolutely bleeding from veins, if not arteries. Like he was fucking dead. How did she bring him back to life? Well, at and, least and, as far as like the facial cuts go, you can tell at the end when he like it's a reveal and you see that awful fucking makeup that he has on. That that got no medical attention whatsoever. They definitely yeah, but you that. can also see his hands, which are like totally covered in in um, in in like really really egregious scars. He was, I think it's implied that he was cut up all over and he just bled out like death by a thousand cuts. In, in Sing Sing. So he would have needed a, a transfusion and he would have needed crazy antibiotics because he got shanked in Sing Sing's shower. <laughs> uh, and, and, and just this movie, like the logic just breaks down when you try and think about it for more than about 30 seconds. It really takes me out of it. But I mean, it wasn't completely worthless or anything like that. It was no demon wind, all right? It just, I have so many problems with it because the pacing is really bad and and maniac cop 2 is a little better but not really and so i'm kind of still angry at maniac cop 1 for having watched maniac cop 2 immediately after um (laughs) i just i didn't have a good week guys (laughs) i don't know man i think you guys are gonna get shit on by the audience here i think this is the one time where everybody's gonna be like yeah we all agree with that (laughs) (laughs) well the thing is is that I, i we i kind of assumed as much because if multiple people were requesting this it's not because they wanted to torture us. It's because they think this movie is an unsung hidden gem. I don't see it. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pass to Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged, bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics.
so so I don't have anything to say about uh, watching um, Maniac Cop two. It's it's fine. Um, we can we can kind of commiserate just a little bit next next time we get to that and Adam's seen it because um, the three of us can just have our little little powwow about it. Um, Matt, you will like the other thing that Megan and I watched together because anybody that's watched listen to this show knows that Megan and I can really only agree on children's movies. So <laughs> we watched Lilo and Stitch, which I neither of us had ever seen, and it was really fun, real cute. All right, what? You don't have anything to say I've to that? I've never seen Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, yeah I absolutely love that movie. I yeah, almost did a couple costume as Lilo and Stitch, and then the girl dumped me right before the party. <laughs> That's brutal. Yeah, what was she, it, seventh grade? No, this was uh, <laughs> college, so I, I'll go next because mine's nothing too crazy. I, I rewatched, and I still don't think it's that good of a movie, but I rewatched Head of the Family. What are you talking about? That movie kills. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of Head of the Family for some reason. I try oh, and I try. Uh, I did buy it when I was in L.A. because it was uh, $5 at the Full Moon booth. So I was like, all right, let's buy let's buy uh, Head of the Family. I also just binged the uh, Blu-ray releases for Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3. My opinions of them haven't changed. I still think Sleepaway Camp 2 is a fucking masterpiece, and Sleepaway Camp 3 is just okay. But the one thing I want to talk about, I don't really talk about music too much. Usually that's a thing that uh, that Adam will do when he, when he doesn't have a ton of stuff to talk about. For like a year, people have been telling me, hey, you're a wrestling fan. You should really check out this album by the Mountain Goats called Beat the Champ. And uh, I finally got around to listening to it, and it is legitimately one of the most beautiful albums I've ever heard. It's a really weird... Um, for those of you who don't know who the Mountain Goats are, they're just, you know, a very folky indie band that's been around for a couple years now. But apparently the lead singer's great-grandfather was like a wrestling promo- promoter back in the 40s and 50s. So he wrote this concept album where the whole album is from the perspective of like a washed-up, wrestler during like the late 70s and it's all just songs from his perspective and it's just hauntingly sad like it's just talking about driving alone on the road and wishing that you could talk to your kids but you don't see them because you're away 300 days of the year and like it's just a really really sad album uh but he's a he's a beautiful lyricist and he writes really really nice like beautiful songs but they're all super depressing yeah incredibly depressing about his like alcoholism and just broken relationships about him witnessing his mom getting abused when he was a little kid like he's, he's got <laughs> he doesn't have a whole lot of happy songs in him but then he does a beautiful cover of superman by goldfinger if you can find that online because that shit's yeah. awesome <laughs> and he does he does boxcar by jawbreaker too he does a cover of that yeah, like it's weird that he does folk music because he clearly grew grew up just loving punk and ska music. And Adam, what did you watch or I guess listen to this week? Oh no, I watched Suicide Suicide Squad. Oh, that's right, you did. Don't watch Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you were talking about maybe doing it. I, I, if you have to pay money to do it, fucking don't. Do not pay money to see that movie. Um, I feel like I should just wait until they do the inevitable director's cut and quasi-redeem the film because it's probably a hot mess because, uh, from what I understand, uh, David Ayer, is that the the yes. director? Um, he did a pretty dark take on the uh, script and then 
the studio was like, mm, make it funnier. And so then they had to do a bunch of reshoots and shit. And uh, it just became a jumbled mess, which is – it's it, DC really just – they have such great properties that they could mine for fantastic films, but they just can't get their shit together. It's really telling that the CW of all networks can kill it with The Flash and Arrow. And, I mean maybe Supergirl, but I haven't watched it. Um, and And, and just DC movies just suck. Well, here's the thing. I mean, they both they each company has its strong and its weak points. Um, the DC movies are fucking awful. There, I think there hasn't really been a a good one in a while, other than like you know like Nolan's Dark Knight and shit like that. Um, Those even count as the DC universe, though. Yeah, like the DC extended universe stuff. Um, but um, their animated property, like all of the animated stuff they do, is fucking amazing. Like Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Young Justice. Fucking Batman the animated series, Batman uh, Beyond, and, yeah. and like all their animated but, movies as well, like Flash Flashpoint Paradox. Oh man, no, that movie's no. fucking dope. No, Flashpoint Paradox is not good. I disagree with you. I, I said this like two months ago after I watched it. That and Justice League War were just awful, in my opinion. They were like these weird anime takes on on like darkest timeline stuff that I really did not like. That's just me. I am a bit of a purist. I don't like anime. I don't like anime in my comic books. Like, leave my Justice League alone. Um, Flashpoint Paradox also is like Flashpoint Paradox to me in the last couple years has become like the Batman origin story. It's like the only story that anybody that wants to talk about Flash will ever put on screen. It's like, oh, oh, hey guys, I got a great idea. What if we do Flashpoint Paradox? Like, it's not like the Flash hasn't been around for 80 fucking years. Just pick another storyline. They have to go with the darkest timeline, and it's not its not fun. I really did not like those movies. But Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, fantastic. Batman Beyond, awesome. I even like Young Justice, even though you've really vacillated between saying that it's great and then when I started watching it, being like, oh, it's shit. And I'm like, but you just told me to watch it. I don't well, know. Maybe okay. that was drunk, Adam. Nah, no, I told you that you should watch it, but it's, it's, it, it itself vacillates on being good and being bad. Like, very start with all the intro. We're getting to know everybody. The team is getting, like, comfortable with each other. Eh, not that great. Middle section, fucking awesome. Really, really great. Like, they're, they're you know, working as a team. They all, like, we know all the characters. Kick ass. Um, that like weird jump forward to the future really takes me back, uh, like a back for a minute. And I don't know how I feel about it, but then it starts being good. And then the ending happens and you're like, oh, wow, fuck yourself. Fuck you. Why would, why would you do this to me? Fuck you. Like Jesus. Yeah. I haven't finished it. I, I've, I, I've fallen asleep in, um, in too many of the episodes in the second, uh, second half of the second season or maybe third season. I can't remember what I'm on yet, but um, the one-offs are great. It's the longer arching stories that I have a really hard time following because it was my go-to before bedtime for like a month there. And so I, I've, I've lost a lot of the overarching storylines, but I mean, I really like, I really like a lot of the um, characterizations 
you know, like the 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 uh, uh, what the hell is Aqualad's real name? Well, I Aqualad, I think it's just really, really. I think that that's a great version of that character, and um, the Martian Manhunter uh, teenage girl is is cool too. So they they they're cool. I mean, I like it. I really like the cartoon overall in what I remember watching, but I'm so far beyond in like in my Netflix. I'd have to like basically start from episode five or six of season one to really follow the storyline, which I'll do eventually. I just haven't gotten around to it. I've been watching oh. Maniac Cop 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more important things to do. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I'm going to run through Suicide Squad, poorly edited, poorly written. Nobody seemed to really give too much of a shit. You can tell um, when they did the reshoots because in some scenes, you know, Will Smith and Harley Quinn, which is the whole fucking movie, is just the Will Smith and Harley Quinn movie, by the way. If you are expecting anything from any other characters, get ready to be disappointed. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can tell, like, when those two are, are having a good time, there's chemistry there. They're, they're having a, a lot of fun and they're, you know, joking around. And then you can kind of tell what scenes they had to come back and do reshoots because Harley Quinn, who's supposed to be this, like, manic, hyperactive character, is just like, oh, yeah, we, we should do that. Okay. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, the bad guy's here. <laughs> like it's like it it it, it loses so much steam and it just and people were like the first half is good but the second half is shitty and then other people were like the second the first half is shit and the second half gets good both halves are crap it's all it's <laughs> crap it's, it's got like three four cool parts mingled in and that's it's not worth it you should you should probably watch the dc animated what was it, it was like escape from arkham or something like that where it was or like I forget what the the one where they did about Suicide Squad, but they have a DC animated movie about Suicide Squad that is way fucking better than this. I will probably never see it. I, you know, a lot of people are criticizing the fact that they're like, oh, it's not, it's not good. It's it's like Jared Leto ruins it. Blah blah blah. Like Jared Leto is the worst Joker ever. I'm like thinking to myself. I mean, like you can't you can't be that bad. I mean. I don't know. I mean, and people are like, "Oh, it's not Heath Ledger's Joker." Well, I mean, Heath Ledger's Joker was a pretty big departure from the source material. So, if we have a gangster version of the Joker, it's a little bit more in line with the source material, and I'm not that upset with it. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't really make a judgment call on whether it's well done. But at least from the basic standpoint of like that, he's not a, a valid threat to Batman. I mean. I don't know. I I feel like there are different ways for him to be a threat. Here's the thing. He's not physically intimidating. Um, and he doesn't do any of his, really, any of his own work in the movie. Like, you remember that scene in Dark Knight where the, all the mob people are in the same room and Joker comes in literally by himself. It's just Joker and kills that dude with the pencil and everybody in the room shuts the fuck up, right? Yeah really cool you see him as like a very threatening scary as fuck just unhinged kind of guy jared leto sort of the same situation they have to get to somebody and that person is on the on side on the other side of like a bunch of goons he just sends in all his dudes they have a gunfight and once everybody's dead then jared leto comes in it's like okay Hmm. well you you didn't really do anything you you don't even see him hurt anybody really in the like i think he kills one guy that's it are you Anyways. saying that he ghoulied at somebody? Is that like he's, you know, no murders? Yeah, just cuts away. 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It's all does off he, screen. Does he eat someone from the ass to the neck? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he would be the best Joker ever if that happened. Oh my god, <laughs> that's what the metal teeth are for. <laughs> I would love. You remember in um, uh, Brain Dead or like Dead Alive? Um, where where the baby comes like popping through the chick's face. I want to see yeah. I want to see Jared Leto's Joker do that. Has <laughs> to start at the asshole and go all the way to behind the, 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 the skull. All right. Well, that was Maniac Cop from nineteen or yeah nineteen eighty eight. Uh, picked by Chris. Uh, he calls himself Superfan Chris because for a while he was the only person that was emailing us. But now a bunch of you have been emailing us, and you should continue to email us by sending your emails to hmnpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what type of movies you think we should be watching. We don't always agree with your decisions, but we allow you to give them. So let us know know what you think we should be watching, and we will suffer through whatever crap you think we should be suffering through, I'm sure. that's all I got, really. I don't have too much to say on this one. I'm I'm kind of in a haze, as, as all things considered. Maniac yeah, Cop did a number on me. <laughs> yeah, really, uh, really threw you into a car window there. Um, <laughs> I was trying to think of a cool death from the movie, but there really isn't. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not lying when we say that there's nothing memorable that happens in this movie. Just getting, I still enjoy it. Just a dude with a weird face. Um, follow us on Twitter, follow us on SoundCloud, and rate us on iTunes. That was the other one. Yeah, ah, all there that. we go. Yeah, all that good stuff. Do those things. We'll be back next week with another episode, hopefully with a better ending. Oh shit, he played Sam Hell in Frog Hell Comes to Frogtown Part 2. They made another There's a one sequel of those to that? Yeah, just called oh Frogtown 2 from 1992. The, the entire point of the first Frogtown was that Rowdy Roddy Piper was supposed to be like really sexually attractive and like a sex symbol in that movie. Robert Zadar looks like the kid from Mass. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I know that the tone of the first Hell Come to Frogtown involved, like, a lot of rapiness, but yeah, most of the women seem... Watched it. <laughs> the, yeah, the plot most... line to this sounds awesome. Hold on a second. In the sequel to Hell Comes to Frogtown, a mutant frog leader of Frogtown kidnaps a professor and forces him to make a serum that will turn everybody into frogs. They also kidnap some people to test the serum. The courageous Sam Hell will have to save them all. <laughs> oh, God fuck, man. We're watching... We're watching that. We're watching oh. that. Oh, God damn it. Lou Ferrigno's in it as Ranger John Jones. You guys so like cool. the worst things. Like, I just don't understand you some days. Uh, I don't know how you don't see the charm and how amazing that sounds. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's just backpedal for a second. Do you like to laugh? geek out on music and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth 
If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 